Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm comedian Josh Weller. And I'm comedian Alfie Brown. And this is Dirty Air. Okay, you, you got me till 1.30. That's my new thing. Do you like that, my new thing? You got me till 1.30. I've started watching um, Drive to Survive with Jesse. So we were in season two. Uh, oh, no, we've just gotten into season three. Um, Lawrence Stroll, at every single meeting, you got he me says, for, yeah, yeah. you got me till, uh, okay, you got me till 12.30. Uh, you got me till, like, he just can't wait to let everybody know. How busy he is. How busy he is. And, like, of course, you you could be here all day talking to me, of course. <laughs> but yeah. I I have more important things to do than you. But it's... for you, there is nothing more important than me. But for me, there's lots more important things than you. So, you, anyway, you, you Josh, you have me, Alfie. For an hour and... Till 1.30. Welcome to the Australian race preview of the 2022 Grand Prix. A couple of things we thought we'd do, because uh, obviously there's a two-week gap between the races. Uh, we thought we would do a little special this week, a little bonus episode, um, where we talk about drivers whose names we miss. We're doing... Uh, almost an entire episode on just drivers' names. Yeah, not not drivers' performances, not their styles or the the, the lines that they took, their habits or the teams that they were a part of, and uh, whether or not they suited the particular car that they were driving and what it meant for them in a certain era. Just their names and how much we liked saying them. Because when a commentator, when you you get used to hearing drivers' names, and then when they're gone, you go, I really miss hearing whichever commentator is. I miss hearing them say that. I miss mm. that name. Mm. So there are there are areas of um, their careers that we'll get into, and there's and there's uh, things that we miss that uh, race performance wise. But mainly, it's just the sound of their name that I like, uh, and that's really what we are going to be and need to be focusing on for the entirety of this episode. Uh, my knowledge of 90s Formula One mainly exists around going, is that their name? Mm. That's a mad name, isn't it? In in music terms, I'm someone who's liked U2 since uh, about album two, and you got into them around when Vertigo came out. No, I, beautiful day. <laughs> Vertigo is Vertigo is U2's <laughs> Drive to Survive, and I was just before Drive to Survive. All right, great. I bought... I bought... Um, in a in a little while or see me around whatever that album was called um the one with the sweetest thing on it uh no it didn't have the sweetest thing on it it had um in a little while surely you'll be mine oh my god in a little while i'll be there what's the difference between bono and god stuck in a moment um I don't know. God doesn't walk around Dublin pretending he's Bono. That's nice. That's a good joke. I didn't write that. Um, here's what we're going to do for this episode. I want you to DM us how you're going to do that on our brand new Instagram and Twitter accounts, which are both at Very Dirty Air. Yeah, Dirty Air at, was taken so we, for we, some various NASCAR. Yeah, we tried to go with other words that we thought would work, but uh, Alfie suggested Very Dirty Air. So tell us which driver names. I don't want to hear about their performance. I don't want to hear about how they how they affected your life. I just mean the sound of the name that you miss 
hearing the commentator say. Mm. Which drivers do you miss? At Very Dirty Air. And uh, obviously follow us. Before we get into the show, I'm going to ask you to subscribe and comment on the show. I can't believe we're still in the Spotify charts having not um, done an episode for over a week because there's no racing. But uh, thank you to everyone who's uh, commented. Please keep commenting. Please keep telling everyone to do it. Set up a fake account and just follow it again. Mad fans. That's what we want. Okay. So we're starting with the drivers who've retired or been kicked out or left Formula 1 most recently. And we're going to work our way backwards. So interestingly, speaking about people who have money, I... Is, so with footballers, if you were a footballer in the 80s, you earned nowhere near what a footballer earns now. Mm-hmm. Even adjusting for inflation, they earn nothing compared mm-hmm. to what they earn now. So has the have Formula One drivers always been the super rich? They've yes. always been extremely well paid. Yeah, they've, Formula One drivers, broadly speaking, have always come from money. Because sure, because you need the, the go-go-karting, you need... Money. Yeah. yeah. In order to, and also in order to have the dream of living your hobby as your life, you would need to come from a certain amount of money. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So yes, I, but with obviously with the, the amount of sponsorship that is thrown into Formula One now, the drivers make a lot more money. Mm. A lot more money than they did. Yeah. Because I remember when um, uh, Nigel Mansell went back in he came out of retirement didn't he mm-hmm. because he and the whole thing was oh yeah but we only need the money but you need the money because you can't afford your ninth home anymore yeah that's yeah, why yeah. you need the money yeah he couldn't refuel his private jet but he still had a private yes. jet <laughs> it's like uh leonard cohen he um he it's- quit <laughs> Yeah. And then Cohen quit music and went to become a monk. And then he found out that his manager had stolen all his money. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, I actually can't be a monk. Mm, can't afford to be a yeah, monk I can't afford anymore. to be a monk anymore. So he had to go and play at Glastonbury. That's the thing is all these things that you think are spiritual and really brilliant are actually like bourgeois indulgences, <laughs> being a monk. Anyway, I'm really glad that uh, I hope our listenership has uh, as diversified interests as you do, ranging from you two to Leonard Cohen to Formula One racing. Okay, the first driver who has the first driver who is no longer in Formula One, whose name I miss saying, it will still roll off the tongue for most of you. I miss the words Antonio Giovinazzi. Yes, I, I think I've pronounced that. Yeah, you have. I, I think I lent on Nazi a little bit too heavily. <laughs> you there. did, yeah. But Antonio Giovinazzi, mm, it should be Nazi. Italian Na- driver, Nazi. and he, you know, he had long hair. Yeah, he was um, he was a bit style over substance, wasn't he? He had uh, long hair. He had um, he was kind of cool. He didn't. Ha- he had a very kind of easy demeanor. I would think, um, as I mentioned to you, I've started watching Drive to Survive with Jesse. And uh, for for the people who are listening who are just Formula One fans, that is your girlfriend, uh, my partner, my common law wife. Yeah, I think when you say with Jesse, like people assume that that's. Your, your partner. Your partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be one of your kids, though. You've got four kids. Yeah, I know, but people don't know that I've got four kids. Four kids. Yeah. None of them will be Formula One drivers. They're all quite small. <laughs> so I think they could be. They don't have very good names for it. Yeah, no, they do. They, no, yeah, no, they, they do. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnie, Be- Becca, Donnie Becca Brown. Brown. My new one, Becca Brown. Yeah. That is a four. That's yeah. a Formula One driver's Thanks. name. And he's the smallest. Antonio Giovinazzi, the most recent driver to miss. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this one in there. A couple of recent guys. And what just... is it about Antonio, Antonio Giovinazzi's name that you so does, like? Like, I, I mean, I like, I get liking the guy. He had long hair. He was cool. He had. The... He wasn't that cool. I just think he was a. He was seemed approachable. Yes, I know, but that's what I mean. He wasn't. I think a lot of 
this is what I've noticed again in my rewatching of Drive to Survive is that a lot of them will come across as very wooden people. And Jesse was saying to me, why are they all so wooden? And I said, well, that oh, being wooden is what happens when you give somebody who's a cunt media training. <laughs> any cunt who's media trained is wooden because they go, oh, must suppress the fact that I'm a cunt. That's what it is. Yeah. Surely. I don't think Giovinazzi had media training. Uh, no. No, <laughs> this is the way Alfa Romeo was spending money on yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, they were like, uh, that must have been a hard day for the press person at Alfa Romeo mm. to go, oh my God, it's it, I've got Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen doing press today. Yeah, yeah but that's like so great because they're, they are spiritually yin and yang, aren't they? That's very true. Uh, second driver on the list. I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to say his name. I want you to tell me your first thought. Roman Grosjean. Uh, I always think of, like, uh, disgusting denim. <laughs> but, oh, because his name's Gross Jeans. Oh. Yeah, he is... Uh, he, he reminds me of every dad that I try and avoid in a playground. <laughs> uh, uh, like, who's, like, really great with his, like, four-year-old daughter. But every single thing he's doing with his daughter, he's constantly looking over to you as if, Are you doing this with your daughter? No, I thought not. Fuck you. Uh, like he's a, like a performative uh, dad in uh, in the playground, wearing a fleece with uh, with no arms. It's a gilet fleece. Oh yeah, yeah. And and boot cut jeans. And he's French, so he knows he definitely has a gilet. Yeah, yeah, because that's a they French it word. Gillet yeah, yeah, in, in uh, France. Uh, Roman, but, um, what is it about his name that you so uh, desire? That you well, so like? The thing with Roman Grosjean that I miss is I miss hearing people say his name. I think because the context of it was always like, "Oh, he's crashed again." I miss that, <laughs> you know. And, and the and the thing with Roman Grosjean that's interesting is you know how Will Smith he got so close he was forty five minutes away from his dream mm. and he ruined it forty five minutes before the dream. Roman Grosjean was forty five. Roman Grosjean had the opposite. He was forty five minutes away from never being remembered, and then he set fire to himself, mm. and he will forever. I'm not saying that that wasn't a horrific ordeal. He said it himself. His legacy is I'm the man who walked out of fire. Yeah, and it's to have that self awareness to go. I'll be remembered forever as someone who nearly burnt himself alive to death. But if that had happened, there are better drivers who could have had that happen and still had that be their legacy. There are... I felt a bit sorry for him because, and this is why I'm so happy for K-Mag, is that there's finally an opportunity for him or for his legacy as the man who didn't walk out of fire but was also in a shit-ass team. Uh... (laughs) Like, um, he's come back and now gets to be a part of something exciting that Haas are a part of. Although, actually, there was that year, like, was it 2018, 2019? Haas had a sort of good year. It was their first year. He finished, uh, K-Mag finished fifth, I think, in the first Haas race. And they uh, didn't keep it up. Next on the list, 2018, one year in Formula One, reserve driver for McLaren 2019 and Renault. He was a reserve driver for McLaren and Renault the same year. Um, 2019 and 2020 uh, he was just reserve driver for Renault but I mean I imagine he didn't do much that year the Russian driver Sergei Sorotkin oh Sorotkin that was fun to say wasn't it Sergei Sorotkin yes like a a historic piece of clothing a Sorotkin yeah have you got your Sorotkin (laughs) or in a in a play like in an old kind of in an old kind of Bertolt Brecht play have we all got our Sorotkins on (laughs) that's what I imagine a Sorotkin is uh, Brandon Hartley, Toro Rossi driver, remember him? No. Nope. Australian guy, long blonde hair, kept crashing. Brandon Hartley? Brandon Hartley, yeah. Very skinny looking dude. Looks like he probably listened... Oh, I do remember do Brandon I mean? Hartley. Looks yeah, like yeah. he listened to metal music because his friends liked it. 
Next up uh, is a driver, my favourite driver, a driver whose name I your, miss saying. Your favourite favourite driver. My favourite driver whose name I miss saying. This is I'm gonna. Oh, throw, your favourite driver whose name you were saying. Yes, okay. not my favourite driver. Okay, it's my favourite driver whose name I miss saying. Okay, right. Great. Is a guy uh, 2016 to 2018 um, simulator driver for Mercedes 2019 to now. He's currently racing in Formula E, um, and uh, he's. This is another thing about Formula One drivers. He's been out of the sport for years. And I found out today that he's just turned 30. You look at these drivers and you're like, oh, he hasn't raced an F1 for five years. He must be 50 by now. Yeah. He's only just, last week turned 30, is the driver whose name I miss of all the modern drivers the most, Stoffel Van Dorn. Oh, you do miss. I feel bad that you can't say it more. I, I miss the little... When watching races with Joshua, uh, one of the things that he did more than any other, anything else was say Stoffel Van Dorn's name. <laughs> It sounds like a like an apple strudel, like a light phyllo pastry, crispy dessert. Have you got your? Can I get a? Do you have any fresh cream? Can I get some fresh cream and a hot Stoffel Van Dorn, please? <laughs> yes. It's that sound of the crisp fork breaking through Stoffel. the pastry of a delicious Stoffel that's full of hot Van Dorn. Mm. I'd love a little a little Stoffel Van Dorn after. I think I think I've got space for it. I know I had the pasta and a starter, but I've saved space for a Stoffel. Mm. He's um won a lot of he won uh, he did the 2019 FIA Work Endurance Championship and uh, he won the six hour um, what's it called Spa Frank Cochamp and uh, he did an IndyCar Series test in 2021 it's interesting when these drivers leave he's still prospering as a race car driver there's a lot to do isn't there yeah who watches Formula E Listener, do you listen? Yeah, watch Formula E? Also, Formula E says that it's like, everyone's like, oh, the future's electric, right? Formula E must be throwing away batteries. They must have enough batteries to fill an island at this point. Tell me they've got rechargeable batteries. No, <laughs> they, they don't. They're using double they just, A's they in just there. Throw, they have like these, these like E batteries that they, that used to, you know, Formula E when it started, the, the, the batteries couldn't finish a race. Yeah. So halfway through the race, the driver had to change cars, which meant that there was all this engineering that went into Formula E, which was at the height of the seat belt button so that the drivers would pull into the pit and someone would lean over and they had to adjust the height of the button to save like a millisecond of reach so they could hit the button at the top of the driver's chest and they could jump out the car and get into the next car quicker firstly i find it really weird that they just sort of drift around these tracks silently it's very um you know like that scene in minority report where tom cruise yeah, is on yeah, top yeah. of those stupid cars yeah it just it all sounds and feels a little bit like that yeah it doesn't have the kind of visceral energy of uh, the, the screeching of the formula one cars it's formula one for vegans <laughs> i imagine what a lot of formula e is is investing in the engineering of battery vehicles that then you get the, the uh, patent on which then goes into um commercial vehicles which then you make billions from that's my assumption of what formula is basically an investment on how tesla could then make their next billion dollars yeah sure uh marcus erickson remember him yeah i like his name because it sounds like a mobile phone well it is the same as <laughs> it's a mobile phone it's like you know somebody being called jeff nokia goes sort of like the mobile phone isn't it no I'm, it is the mobile phone <laughs> do you miss tony blackberry yeah yes <laughs> samuel iphone simon samsung Philippe Massa. Yeah, that's a fun. Philippe Massa. And I love the way Philippe Massa, when he talks, he has this, he has a very good lisp. Yeah, that's really. He's so adorable. Yeah, he was. I like when he does the talks after the race, when he says, hey, Luis, and he he always does a fist bump because he knows them personally. Also, Philippe Massa, you could tell he was short just from looking at his face. Yeah. 
He had a short guy's face. Philippe Massa looks like someone who can't blow out birthday cake candles in one breath. <laughs> <laughs> also, what an amazing career for him to have. Like the 2008 Brazilian Grand Prix, he had to win the race yeah. and Lewis had to finish fifth or below for him to be world champion. He won the race and then on the final corner, because the two Toyota cars didn't change to wet tyres, Lewis overtook the, the from fifth to fourth, the final corner of the final lap of that race. It was one of the most exhilarating moments of my life. It was around the time where Formula One insisted on cutting back to the Pussycat, to Nicole Scherzinger. Mm. And it was like, it was there was a change in the tone of the way F1 was filmed, which was like, here's a race, but also here's the famous people watching it, which is very much the way Formula One likes to operate now. Yeah. And it was the beginning. Nicole Scherzinger, weirdly, weirdly responsible for the amount of celebrity cutaways we get in F1 races now. Yeah, no, I was, um, they, I mean, they did, it's now like featurettes as well, isn't it? Yeah. There's whole like, you know, let's, you know, oh, Ted's going to go and cook a Stoffel Van Dorn with Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <laughs> Pascal Verlein. Yeah, that's a nice name. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg. The famous YouTuber, Nico Rosberg. Yes. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, today, we're going to go and I'm going to take you on a drive in one of my famous cars around the streets of uh, Monte Carlo. When Nico talks, he says, huh? A lot. Hey, guys, huh? It's me, Nico, huh? He does YouTube videos where he's like, I'm going to show you around my yacht. And then he's on the yacht and he'll talk about his watch while he's on the yacht. And he'll say, he'll say there's a YouTube video where he's like, yeah, this watch is 200,000 uh you know whatever whatever currency they hide in Monaco because mm. he basically he won the Formula 1 World Championship mm. 2016 then bottled it Nico Rosberg would cut out the linings of his gloves and his socks before the races to lighten the weight of his car as much as possible do you know that? that's mental it, yeah but it worked it, well, he, did it work or did it just happen as well as him winning no, the world he championship he won the world championship know, but that doesn't mean that it worked it just means that he did that next one uh, a man who has more crashes than a desktop PC Pastor Maldonado remember him how fresh are those Pastor Maldonados again it sounds like a pastry dish surely it sounds like a Pasta dish. No, what's that? Um, pastel de nata. Oh, Is yes. The, the Portuguese, Portuguese custard tart. Portuguese custard tart, yeah. Pasta maldonado. Sounds like a. I always look at pastel de natas and think, like, have you left that custard tart out? Like, what's. <laughs> there's, there's somebody on the Portuguese tourist board who's done a big drive behind custard tarts. <laughs> you ready? Kamui Kobayashi. Yeah, from the usual suspects. <laughs> oh, yeah. Another great one. Yeah. Mark Webber. Mark Webber. You don't miss it. No, I don't miss Mark Webber. Mark Webber, I always remember as being a worse driver than he was because his name's so dull. Multi-21, Seb. Another great high-profile rivalry. I like Mark Webber. He's still, he's a very handsome, he's 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 like a George Clooney type. He's ageing very well. Yeah, definitely. But he also, like, he didn't, I always feel like when a handsome person leaves the sport and they didn't quite achieve what they wanted to, I... Uh, I would go. Well, at least you're handsome. Yeah. Like you won't. You, you won't. You won't take this as hard as somebody else will. Yeah. Because you, you're really handsome. I'll walk through an airport and you'll be advertising an inferior sunglasses brand for mm. the next five mm. years. I'll look at your face and think, yeah, Tissot is a good brand of watch, actually. <laughs> police sunglasses. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anyone wearing police sunglasses. Uh, Mark, Mark Webber has the face that suggests I. I'll, I must remember to pick up some more Wellman, actually. <laughs> 
Um, Heike Kovalainen. Now we're cooking yeah, with gas. Yeah, now we're cooking yeah. with gas. Heike Kovalainen, 2007-2013, uh, won, he won the Hungarian Grand Prix in 2008, which is pretty good. It sounds like one of those marketing things that Uniqlo does in the winter, when it, it's like, oh, it's got the Heike Kovalainen. <laughs> Yeah, you've, you've, you've identified a key part of the word there, haven't you? And made the most of it. Much like I did with gross jeans, I suppose. Oh my God, okay, this is we're about to get so good. Okay, yeah. 2011 was his last race. 1993 was his first race. 11 race wins, 326 entries, 68 podiums. Rubens Barrichello. Mm. To me, now we're getting into the era where I hear Murray Walker saying these names. Like just that loud, high-pitched, high-octane, adrenaline Murray Walker voice that he had. I think if you gave me 40 guesses for... Like, if you told me, dispassionately told me with no prior knowledge, the name... Where do you think the person Rubens Barrichello comes from? I would get through 40 countries before I got where he was from. Where is he from? Even now, I have no idea. I don't idea. even know where he's from. And you could tell me, oh, he's from France or Estonia or, like, Kazakh. Like, there's no place that I would be... Barrichello. Yeah, it could be Eastern European. It could be Spanish. It could be French. Rubens. I think Rubens is, like... Okay, I think I'm I'm gonna go like uh, like like Flemish, Belgian, sort of Dutch kind of thing. Okay, and what are you gonna go? What's your gonna? Uh, guess you're on? gonna go with Flemish, Dutch. Okay, like, Rubens Barrichello. I, Rubens Barrichello. I'm gonna say Portuguese. <laughs> well, you're closer because he's Brazilian. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That is not a Brazilian name, is it? Rubens. Yeah, I suppose it. Barrichello. Barrichello. That sounds like um, a digestive. <laughs> Uh, a little side territory here of a for- famous Formula One driver's sons who were crap at Formula One. Nelson Piquet Jr., one year in F1. Imagine all that money, all that family name, and you're so bad that you get kicked out after one year. Yeah, I find it a little bit too heartbreaking. I kind of imagine the scene and the and the dad like still trying to love the son, but not quite managing. <laughs> I, I find the whole imagination of it like so awful to kind of conjure. Um, Imagine what Christmas Day two thousand and nine was like. I could be kicked out of the Heartbreaking, like Dad gets him. He's like, no, well, I would. I was going to buy you a helmet for Christmas, but there's no fucking point, is there? <laughs> Where do you think? How how, how far do you think um, Mick Mick Schumacher can go? Ooh, I mean, interestingly, next on the list is Ralph Schumacher. Ralph. I miss Ralph Schumacher. He was like an angry, didn't he break his arm and then return to, re- like, he was just an angry, he had that little brother syndrome that was like, I'm going to, and he like, I think he got nine race wins in his time. Six wins, 27 podiums. Yeah, he wasn't he, a bad driver. But he was in the sport for 10 years. Like, that's a, those are good innings. Those are better innings than a lot of the drivers on the grid now. I think what Mick has, which is, which is what his dad has, is that kindness. And you can tell everyone on the team loves him, right? I don't think he's in a team that has much love in that. I don't think there's a lot of love in the Haas team. I might be totally wrong here, but they look like a team that's just so on edge all the time. They're, they're so panicked about not being a team anymore. And then... All the drama they faced with a, you know, an oligarch coming in, all the sanctions, the son getting kicked out, the way that Nikita Mazepin came into the sport famously grabbing a girl on Instagram. I think the mix has been handed like a, a really crap card and he has to live up to that name. But I think that what he will garner hopefully is like that killer instinct 
that will that will take him to greatness. Yes, it's like there's a, there's a sense of bravado that it see, feels like he's missing. A yeah. sense of like own, when I remember like um uh when George Russell first and there's those two conflicting mentalities. You had George Russell's who came into Williams, drove the car, and then said to the whole Williams team, "Okay, you're you're shit. I'm not. Change it, or I'm gonna like." I, yeah. I, I, there's this little yeah. child there going, "What the hell have you?" Imagine the like the 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 courage of that like. Uh, you know, little boy to come into a team to be graduated into his dream mm. that he's been pursuing and go, the dream's not good enough, make the dream better. Like, this is what I've been working like to have that to not be a, somebody who settles and goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Whereas you look at um, uh, Claire Williams, mm. her attitude was always, Oh, God, we're not very fast, are we? Oh, we're not a very good team. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice to win a race at one point in our lives. Or maybe we'll. And I thought, oh, this, is the, this, is the, this is how a loser speaks. Mm. And of course, like, I feel horrible for it because she never wanted to do, or it was, I think, even on, like, in an interview, she goes, uh, this is all about protecting a legacy. Yeah. It shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, it should yeah. be about winning the race or like being a good team. Or it's a, Claire like, Williams had the attitude of, you know, the beginning of Gravity where Sandra Bullock's in space going, I hate space. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be here. That's what Claire Williams is like to me. It's like, you're in space. Yeah. You're in space. How are you not going, oh my God, this is insane. Look, I can make this spanner fly. I think that is when you sort of realise, okay, George Russell's going to be big and Claire will be, you know, gone soon. And she was. And also, Claire Williams was a fucking, she was a woman in F1. Like, it's such a dick-driven sport. She's like, she is, she has done a lot for women in the sport. Sure. And also, she gave us George Russell in a way. Like, she gave him that punt. You know, she could have picked another driver. She picked George. Well, she was, I think that she, the drivers she chose that year, her, um, George Russell and Kubica was really smart, really, really smart. Like, uh, I think what they got the Kubica in for was he had been their test driver mm -hmm. and he was the one who went, okay, this is what's crap. This is what's great. You know, uh, here's, here's any information I can feed back to you about what it's like to drive the car. And for him... Somebody's got to do a film about him one day and the like how mad it was he made it back into a Formula One seat. He's a driver whose name I miss as well, Kubica. 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 I just it was so great when he came back. Yeah. And even though he didn't have the career he wanted, he's still a success story. Or the career to me. that he deserved, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's what makes him a true sort of success of will and kind of mind and to overcome and you saw him when he was um you know when he came back his hand was kind of uh misshapen yeah. from the accident that he was in mm -hmm. and to be able to kind of control a formula one car with a hand that is not yeah. like an optimum human hand mm. incredible yeah and you know, he looked like Megamind. I would rather do a hot lap with Kubica than Verstappen. If I got to drive around a track with a driver yeah. and they went, you can either go with the world champion or Kubica, I would pick Kubica because I think he'd be laughing all the way around. And like he'd, he'd, he'd open the thing, there'd be mints in the... <laughs> like <laughs> Little travel sweets with yeah. powdered sugar on. Yeah. Don't have any of the strawberry ones, those are my favourite. Yeah, he's like, but you no, have, have as many limes as you want. I think he'd, he'd be like, do you want a fucking pear drop? Come on, mate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ralph Schumacher, great driver. Um, Mick Schumacher, I hope he achieves. Mick Schumacher strikes me as the kind of guy who, before pre-race, yeah, 
um, in his little motorhome thing, mm-hmm. he's listening to like the carpenters or the lumineers. But when someone knocks on the door, he changes it to hip hop. <laughs> That's what Mick Schumacher seems like to me at the moment. I think your special skill in life is being able to identify and analyse people by dint of what their musical tastes are or are not. (laughs) Okay. Sacked eight races before the end of his career. Juan Pablo Montoya. Juan Pablo. 95 races, seven wins. uh, Famously walked out angry of a lot of press conferences. Mm, My name is Juan Pablo Montoya. Juan Pablo Montoya. You sacked me eight races races before the end of the season. What's the name of the guy in The Princess Bride? Yeah, That's what I'm doing. What's his name? Um... I can't, I can't remember. I mean, Mandy Patinkin. But it's, it's, it, has, it has that, Juan Pablo Montoya, it has that, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. It rolls off the tongue Juan like Pablo a, Montoya. Yeah. Like he wanted to keep that. He, he, like he gets furious if you don't say Pablo. Uh, so Juan Montoya, is it Juan Pablo Montoya? Why are you expecting me like this? Huh? He looks like someone who slapped a few people in the face. <laughs> He's Will Smith a few people, hasn't he? Like in a bar after too many vodka Red Bulls, Juan Pablo Montoya looks like the kind of guy who's, who's hand slapped at close range a few men. Oh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, but it's not vodka Red Bulls. He's like, he, he, makes, he, he, he knows he's going to slap you about five minutes before he does, but he makes sure he finishes his bottle of Rioja first and then comes over and slaps you with the kind of cold, cold cool of somebody who is... Full of poise. 1994 to 2008, 13 wins, 247 races, 62 podiums, and one of the best moments at 1998 Spa-Belgian Grand Prix where uh, Michael Schumacher um, took his right front tyre off, crashing into in the rainy mist of the uh, penultimate corner of the track, David Coulthard. Ah, yes, David Coulthard. With his lovely jaw. I'd like a more defined jaw. Yeah, I know, but you wouldn't want as much... I say, yeah, I know very quickly there, sorry. Uh, But uh, (laughs) having a big jaw like that is not a good look for comedy, I don't think. That's true. Nobody wants to laugh at the kind of guy with the amazing jawline. But he's so handsome. Uh, There's a great moment in the the 1996... Uh, race reveal of the McLaren and I encourage everyone to look this up on the internet when they reveal the 1996 McLaren they did it at Alexandra Palace mm-hmm. they had two musical acts on they had a musical acts on before they showed the car and then the, while the band was on they revealed the car and then Jamiroquai played mm-hmm. right? At, which is so cool Formula 1 doesn't do that anymore what the Formula 1 does now is they do this stupid sort of GQ Tron graphics mm. where they pull this stupid silk curtain off the car and everyone goes wow it looks like last year's and they get some Bond girl oh wow that's great well done this is and they used to do gigs when they revealed the car and the Spice Girls played they mimed and they did um wannabe and then they revealed the car and then they were all giving it the girl power stuff and uh, they asked the drivers why there were no female Formula 1 drivers and Coulthard handles it like an absolute champ and when the drivers all come out mm-hmm. they go let's introduce you to Mika Hakkinen and David Coulthard they come out of Alexandra Palace David Coulthard has his sh- top ripped off by I think it was uh, Baby Spice mm. and then Mika Hakkinen tries to get off with every Spice Girl okay first of all what was Coulthard's reaction to what, why, are, why, are there no, why are there no female Formula 1 he goes uh, there used to be one but uh, uh, Emma I think you might be next I think you could be the next one I encourage everyone to look up that video also just because Jamiroquai played a great set was he wearing his big fluffy hat he was wearing a big hat and he was on a lot of beak okay. um, Damon Hill another driver who I, I miss I miss hearing Murray Walker say his Damon Hill and excuse me if I'm feeling a little bit choked up you know that bit I don't know why I've made him sound like Jules Holland but because he does sound a little bit like Jules Holland yeah. 
all the way from Brighton. <laughs> Metronomy. Um, I miss, you know, there's a great interview of Damon Hill um, when he was on, I think it was Michael <laughs> Parkinson, the year he retired. And uh, Michael Parkinson went, Damon Hill, uh, when did you know? When did you know you wanted to retire from Formula One? Are you getting him confused with Wogan? That's, no, that's um, Michael Parkinson. Okay, no. Alfie Bo. <laughs> Alfie Bo. Damon Hill. He goes, uh, Damon, when did you know you wanted to retire from Formula One? And Damon Hill went, well, it was the start of the, I think it was the Belgian Grand Prix. The lights went, everyone died for the first corner. And I just thought, what's the hurry? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic answer. I know. I, I, well, you, yes, I remember the first time you told me that story. It, it made everything, every negative thought I'd ever had about Damon Hill uh, perish and drift away into nothingness. And, and all I felt about Damon Hill ever since has been uh, positivity. Great, great answer. And we get to see him every week in the paddock, on the po- you know, he's there all the time. And he's aged well. Yeah, he has aged well. Looks healthy. Formula One commentators, we do need to discuss this. Um, why does every Formula One pundit wear the same clothes? They all they're all the same bloke, aren't they? They're like the they're like a kind of um, sort of like a country like you know how like um T M Lewin and Charles Tyriot do casual clothes for country <laughs> country walks at the weekend. They all look like agents from the Matrix, but instead of wearing black suits, they all wear those like checkered short sleeve Charles Tyrrett shirts and kind of brown chinos. Yeah, like khaki, very tight khakis. Yeah. And then always like a brown leather belt. And then that, that shirt where like they have the, it's a no tie but collar and they roll up their cuffs, mm. don't they? Every driver looks at what, who makes that decision? They look insane. It's so, it's so off-putting. Who are they trying to appeal to? No, no one idea. dresses like that. It's like whenever I watch a post-football game and they're up in that little glass room and they all wear a suit where you know they can't do up the suit jacket. Oh, yeah. They, 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 they've, they've been to the gym more recently than they've been to their tailor. Yeah. And therefore, the tailor needs to do some catching up to make them a suit. That I think it's like part of the look. Like if you're about to burst out of your suit, that's in some way cool. But those F1... The, or wearing the pun- those waffle ties the, as well. The, the F1 pundits wear those trousers where, like, they can't put anything in those pockets. The pockets are probably sewn up on those trousers because those trousers are so tight. Yeah, I know more about their cocks than, I'm, <laughs> than I need to. I, I, I have too much anxiety about wearing. Can you imagine going for a piss at the urinal? How long they must be shaking off their dicks to make sure they don't have any drips. <laughs> any any dick drips in back in those trousers and going on TV. Yeah. That is, it's over for you. Jean Alacy. Um, yeah, Gilles Piquisi, Thomas O'Malley. <laughs> Gerhard um, Berger. Gerhard Berger. A, a, great fun, Gerhard Berger. It's the one I've been waiting for this whole time, or at least when you say Formula One drivers' names. Again, it's one of those names that I don't associate. It doesn't scream nationality to me. And actually, a lot of Formula One drivers' names, they it's quite rare that you get like a Perez. Mm. Uh, or Because like, usually they have these names that are like quite unique, that you've never heard before. Mm. Formula One, more than any other um, sport or sense of kind of or competition where there's lots of nationalities represented, you usually get like, you know, a one name, like or, or, you, 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 the Italian football team, you go, yeah, yeah, there was another player called that a few years ago. Mm. Whereas Formula One, you've got these mad, very unique names. And I think it's because they're all so posh. So they've got these kind of gentrified like aristocracy kind of names from each of their countries that like no poor people are allowed to have. 
Well, that's why I like the British F1 names, is because all the drivers, they are, they all just sound like you would meet, someone comes around to fix your heating, and his name's Martin Brundle, Lewis Hamilton, or Damon Hill. He's like, hi, I'm Damon Hill, I'm with um, British Gas, I'm here to fix your boiler. You'd be like, yeah, of course, come in. Yeah, but, uh, or George Russell. But yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you who's not coming to fix your boiler, and that's Lando Norris. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, Lando Norris is not there. To Alex Albon, might. Yeah, um, and you better be nice to him, otherwise his yeah, mum will on shank you. <laughs> One of the best things I did researching this is I realised how many amazing careers these drivers have had after their races. Right, yeah. after their Formula One careers, they've had these amazing careers in 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 other areas of motorsport. The other thing I really kind of forgot is that in the mid 90s there was 30 drivers in the race why aren't can we get back to that please i want the blind chaos of 30 drivers please so those are the f1 drivers whose names we miss the most please uh, send us your uh, comments on instagram and twitter please let us know which driver names you miss falling out of your mouth which ones rolled off the tongue which ones were nice to hear i'm trying to think of any if, if you've missed any that i i would have loved in your in your list of names um and I, uh, and, uh... Eddie Irvine. Eddie Irvine's a really Eddie Irvine. Do you know why I like... Eddie Irvine. Do you know why I like Eddie Irvine? Because it sounds like his actual name is Eddie fucking Irvine. <laughs> Eddie Irvine. It's, well, it's one of those names that there's no... It doesn't stop anywhere. Yeah. Eddie Irvine. Melbourne this weekend, 58 laps, 16 turns... Uh, Michael Schumacher has the lap record. It's been in the F1 calendar since 1996. I am really looking forward to the um, Melbourne race purely because I think the Australians are going to go absolutely mental for this race this weekend, having not had it for um, two years. Oh, and also the last time that they thought they were going to have it, it was like, there's going to be a race, there's going to be a race, there's going to be a race, we shouldn't be doing a race, oh my God, there's going to be a race, we shouldn't be doing a race, oh my God, there's no race. Go home, everybody. <laughs> go, bye-bye. <laughs> and then there was that woman outside going... Fascists! Yeah. Fascists! <laughs> what are you talking about? They're just not going to do a race, you mad idiot. <laughs> like, it's amazing how when people are upset, they'll just say a word. Yeah. Fascists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Talking about? It's like Nazi Germany. What? Not being able to go to the bakery? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm living in Nazi Germany. Three drivers have had race debut podiums in Australia. Uh, I'm going to tell you two of them. I want you to tell me the third. Jacques Villeneuve, Lewis Hamilton. Who is the third? Uh, Ricardo? No. Who is it? Your boy, the Viking. The primary school Viking himself, K-Mag. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his first race, he got a podium. So hopefully, hopefully, we will see Haas on the podium at this race. I don't think it's an impossibility. I think that Mercedes could be far enough behind. I think Ferrari and Red Bull might crash out. And I'm I'm praying. You know, there's never been an Australian on the podium in, uh, Austra- in uh, for the Melbourne Grand Prix. Do you know that? Okay. So I'm praying in this but race. How many, what's our DNFs like? Because there's that extremely difficult bit or it always strikes me as really difficult where you've got that the the, the like uh, about halfway through the lap uh you've got that long curve mm. which sort of is it, it's the speed is like a straight and then but but it's all on a bend so the, the g-force there as you're driving it must be absolutely insane oh my god and then it bends into the last bit of the track you turn 90 degrees and then you're basically on the on the home straight until the end. You've got that final DRS zone before the the end of the lap. But that is overtaking. You get overtakes on the bend, and it's 
it's a hot and exciting time uh, to be watching a race. It really, really is. When drivers talk about Gs, they're like, you know, people know that we're going, they're like, people don't really understand the number of Gs a driver goes to. You know, when we go around a race course, sometimes we're experiencing up to 40 Gs. And I always think, I don't know what one G feels like. I do. I do. Uh, because I went on the Samurai at Chessington World of Adventures. <laughs> uh, and I remember going on the Samurai and they have a little sign next to it going, you experience this many G's, which is like the same that like a, 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 a somebody would feel if they were going into space. I did four G's in Cape Canaveral on the NASA thing. When so the you thing do know sp- what G's yeah, are like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all I remember is going, I went, that looks fun. And while I was in there, I went, this is not fun. And then I spent the next three hours trying not to throw up. Mm, I, yeah, there was a lot of that when I was on the Samurai at Chessington World of Adventures as well. I, I this think- was before I think somebody got like chopped off or had something chopped off on the Samurai. Well, I could think it was a Samurai. Yeah, that's nice, actually. That's that's good, quick stuff. <laughs> okay, so my predictions for this race is um, what I would like to happen is I would like um, a Mercedes that can challenge. I'd like McLaren to have worked on their game. They need to sort themselves out. Big Mate, time. McLaren are just, what is going on there? What's going on at McLaren? Aston Martin, I kind of get it because ev- Lawrence is the boss. Everyone's, you know, he's just, I mean, if Lawrence is your boss, I don't understand how, it, I, he doesn't strike me as a team leader. You know, all you know, his thing is like, he's the guy that like took Versace or Armani to America. That's like kind of how he made his money. Oh, really? I'm sure he did much worse, darker things and has invested mm. in some yeah, crazy yeah. stuff. But that is, he, he bought some big brand to America. Okay, and um, he's just throwing money into Aston Martin, but it just seems like he's not really—he's not really um, the spirit. He's not really the uh, the leader in the way that um, Ferrari have or Mercedes have. And I think he's not the sort of person that you want to get out of bed for, or that you feel inspired to work for, or that creates a positive attitude that like means that there's a sense of kind of comradeship or something to get behind. Yeah. Uh, I completely get that. And you do look at like the different team principles and think... Well, he's not a team principal. Uh, no, I know, I know. But I mean, uh, I just mean in terms of you look at the different team principles and think about who is uh who inspires mm. who who can who can who can lead who has uh, the kind of charismatic and uh, the charisma and power of somebody who can lead a team to victory even somebody like Zach Brown I know I know that I have a weird like of Zach Brown mm. I like Zach Brown a lot but he seems like the sort of guy that yeah I would love to do well for Zach Brown Zach Brown seems like the kind of guy that if you went around his house he had a he has a pool in the back that just has a lilo mm. and he's like do you want to have a beer in the lilo yeah please Zach, like, yes, thank please, Zach Brown yes thank you Cyril was a little bit like there was a la- there was a lack of care yeah. it felt like uh, for him and the drivers he didn't really like like any of his drivers very much or like what he was, his job was very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't. He never really felt like he was enjoying himself or having a nice day. Yes, and it seemed like the haste at which Renault kicked him out suggested that that's probably accurate. Yes, although really hard to think of a more handsome team principal. Oh my god, he was gorgeous, wasn't he? So, I mean, so handsome. Imagine waking up with that face and torso every day, and that's just your life. I know. What a dream. It's interesting to me that um, that we even know that Lawrence Stroll owns the team because who owns Mercedes? Who is the owner of the Red Bull team? Lawrence's ego is so big that he's had to not only invest in the company, but also be the face of the company as well. Well, he's the, yeah, he's the chairman and he was the head of the consortium that bought Racing Point when it was 
like went into bankruptcy. Went into administration, yeah, yeah. Administration, yeah. For ages, I just assumed the person that owned... I mean, we know who owns Haas. Gene. Gene. <laughs> Gene. Hey. We've got a mighty fast race car for you this week, Gene. Gene Haas. But also, I, I in terms of who the team principal is, I, I, I've seen less of... Is it Otmar? Otmar Tapner. Uh, I've seen less of him, and my he he comes less into my brain as like, oh yeah, that's who the team principal is. Yeah, what my type now? Just listen, man. Stop making them race in pink and blue. It's a disgusting color coordination. Please. Well, they don't. Yeah, they do. Alpine. Oh, so then who's the Aston Martin team principal? Uh, Mike Crack. <laughs> just don't. Just don't. I'm not going to do that on this podcast. Everyone's already done it. I'm not going to make any jokes about the name Mike Crack. I'm oh, above all right, it. All right, all I'm right. above Mike Crack, okay? You're, nobody don't you is. come in here with a Mike Crack joke thinking that we're that kind of podcast. Don't look a Mike Crack yeah. in the ass, okay? Look. I'm. We're too good for that on this show. A fucking episode about people's names, yeah, and, is- you're, and you're eschewing the goodwill <laughs> yeah. that the Lord has yes. sent your yeah. way. In with a Mike name, Crack. it's too obvious. It's too obvious. I it's don't it's get like it. how I met your mother. It's too broad for me. Okay. Aston Martin and McLaren. I really hope they work it out. Here's the thing with this race, man. Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, Hess F1, Alpine. They could all take a podium in this race, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, like, there's going to be a lot of emotion in this race, I think, because we're reaching the point whereby things are about to take shape. They're about to level. Like, you can have those first two races and you can have blipped or you can have, uh, you know, come in really strong and made a good start, but things are about to take the form that they will continue to take, take the shape that they're about to take for the rest of the season. We're about to align ourselves and know what the story for the season is going to be, more or less. I'm just so happy that we're out of one of those countries that um, hates women and gays, and now we're in a we're in a slightly more normal country. Australia's don't let a lot of people in, but for very different reasons than Bahrain and Saudi. Arabia. Yeah, you'd take a points based immigration system over having your hands chopped off, wouldn't you? Uh, it is. Um, it is. Uh, it, I'll, I'll be there, of course. You will be at the. Uh, you won't be at the race, but of you're going to. Of course, I'll be at the race. I'm going to fight where there where there is a will, and I do have a will. There will also be a way. Well, any uh, people who work in F1 and listen to this podcast, please give Alfie Brown. Um, I want him to get grid walk access. I want to look at my TV and I want to see Brundle darting down that, and I want to look in the background and go, "Is that Alfie Brown?" And then I want him to stop and interview you, thinking you're someone more famous. I'll have to dress like somebody famous. I'll yeah. have my reflective dark glasses on. Who could you pass for? Um, Jeff Lynn from Jeff ELO. Lynn from ELO, yeah, absolutely. All right. As you always say, cruelly. Thank you for joining us on Dirty Air. We will be back after the race for another episode where we will review everything that has taken place and we'll be having to do it remotely as I will be in Melbourne. Remember we- to subscribe to this show and leave a comment. Please leave a good comment. Leave a nice comment, a leave compliment. Leave a nice comment. Compliment us. Yeah, and give us five stars. Don't and mess- give us five stars. We want. F- we deserve five stars. And only five is any good. It's like Uber. Yeah, you can't just give five. Uber only driver five. four stars. That's like... And also click that link in the in the bio for the podcast and send us money. Just give us all your money. Give us a large sum of money. Give us some money. I don't have very much. Just give me a lot of money. Good night. Bye. Money, money.